Hey everybody, what a good looking bunch. Especially these guys, I think. <laughs> That's my wife. All right. Um, good morning. My name's Josh. And I've been given the opportunity to speak today. And I decided to talk about fear. And then Sam's like, oh, it's the first one of the year, so don't muck it up. <sighs> so I'm well acquainted. Um, I see a lot of fear in my... So I work, I work at a funeral company. I've been there for the better part of a decade. And uh, I work mainly out the back, in the back area, with all the coffins and the, the long cars and all the rest of it and things like that. But you, you see a lot of fear, I think, uh, around death and around dying and these kinds of things. Um, not too long ago, we were having the mortuary, um, which, is, which is the area where we look after our, our deceased, the, the, the dead bodies. And uh, the mort, so mort at the start, that comes from the Latin for death, mort is death, like mortal. Mortality is about, you know, you're able to get killed. Immortal, not able to get killed. Um, a mortal wound, you're gonna die from it. Um, mortgage, actually. <laughs> that, I'll, leave that, I'll leave that one with you. Um, anyway, so we were having, we were having the, the mortuary area, we were redoing the floors, it was time for that to get done. And so I, I looked, I sourced some guys to do that, and we we're gonna do the works overnight so that we could keep using the mortuary through the day. So it was my job to stay back and, and supervise the work, to, you know, to be around there while they were doing the work, grinding back the floors and doing that. It was gonna be three nights, he reckoned, of work, grinding it all back, laying the different layers of stuff down to get the floor nice and, and, and ready. So uh, the, the first night, I had a friend of mine, he, he actually ended up watching he was looking up, he was supervising them for the first half. I'd headed home for a while and then I was going to come back and do this shift from about 5 till 3 a.m.-ish for the first night. And so I rocked up a bit later and just as Andrew, my friend, was leaving, he swapped over and, I, and he said, oh, they're big tough guys but they're a bit spooked in there. They're, they're looking, they're trembling a bit. And so I said, all right, well, don't worry, I better look after them. So I headed in and the guy came out and, he, and I said, how did you get in here? He said, oh, Andrew let us in. I said, oh, the shortish guy with the... He died a month ago. <laughs> and the colour drained from his face. And I quickly jumped in and said, no, no I'm just kidding. No, he's headed home. And, um, and I thought, I better not follow that up too long. Two reasons. First reason is that uh, our policy at Bethel is that we receive business. We don't create it. <laughs> And the second reason is that um, deep down I know that I'd be gotten just as bad. I know what that's like. And we all do. We all, we all fear, I think. We all fear. You've probably heard it said everyone loves something. Everyone has a love. Um, and I think something that comes along with that is everyone fears. If you have something, you can fear to lose it. Um, there's lots of uh, poets and songs and, 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 and phrases that talk about that. To love is to suffer and, you know, love hurts and um, to love is to risk losing and, and, and all that jazz. Um, my boy, Clive Staples Lewis, um, C.S. Lewis, he wrote Narnia, um, said, to love at all is to be vulnerable. 
love anything and your heart will be wrung and possibly broken. If you want to make sure of keeping it intact, give it to no one, not even an animal. Wrap it up carefully around with hobbies and little luxuries. Avoid entanglements. Lock it up safe in the casket or coffin of your selfishness. And in that casket, safe, dark, motionless, airless, it will change. It will not be broken. It will become unbreakable, impenetrable, irredeemable. He goes on to say, I thought this was interesting, the only place other than heaven where you're safe from the tragedy of love is hell. I thought that was quite interesting. Nifty. Um, so we all fear something. We all fear, and it's not just us plebs. If you look at the Bible, there's a couple of heroes who experience fear. Can anyone think of a couple of um, biblical philo? Jonah. Jonah experienced fear. Any others? Gideon. Elijah. Elijah. That's a good one. Don't, don't jump ahead. Uh, anyone else? Moses. Yeah, good one. Yeah, I think, I think you'd probably be hard for us to find someone in here who doesn't experience fear. I think um, it's a common experience. You look at Moses was afraid to return to Egypt. Gideon was afraid to deliver Israel in combat or Barak was the same situation. The Psalms, King David's Psalms are full of fear and despair, uh, crying out in agony. Um, and Elijah, nice one, Sam. Uh, Elijah. So I don't know if you recall the story about up on Mount Carmel. So Elijah was... Crazy. He was, a, he was absolutely hard, not crazy, he was hardcore. He was a hardcore kind of a guy. Um, so in, in, I think it's Judges, Kings, Kings, Judges, in the Old Testament, <laughs> in 1 King uh, 18, so just this one chapter, I'm just looking at 1 King 18, maybe a bit of 17. So he he brings someone back to life. He creates never-ending jars of oil, like the Tim Tams jars of oil, so he can feed these people that he's living with. And he marches up to the king a couple of times, and he, by the word of the Lord that he utters, he stops it from raining for three years, and they can't find him. When they find him, they say, please don't teleport away by the power of the Spirit. And when he rocks up, he says, okay, get everybody, he says to the king, get everybody, get all the evil prophets of Baal and stuff and rock up to the mountain, up Mount Carmel, and you know what, let's sort this out. You know, I'm the last prophet of God. And so they all go up to the mountain of God, all the prophets, and he says, all right, here you go, Israel. Chuck a sacrifice up the top. The prophets of Baal, they'll try to get their God to light it. And if they do it, then follow them. And then I'll have a crack at it. And if our God can do it, then we'll follow me. They have a good go. He's sitting there taunting them. Oh, maybe he's on the toilet. Maybe God's on the toilet. He can't hear you. And then he gets up and he has, they can't do it. He gets up. He has a crack and the lightning bolt comes down. It like obliterates the whole top of the mountain. I'm kind of paraphrasing here. but um, And then he has them all killed. And then he says, he, he prays to God and the rains are going to come back again. This is Josh's translation. <laughs> the rains are coming back. And so he sees the rain coming, and so it says he hikes up his, um, his belt, and he sprints ahead of the chariot, all the way back ahead of the chariot. He was a hardcore guy. Um, and then you get to chapter 19, and it's four verses in. He gets back, and Jezebel the queen says, well, I'm going to kill you too. And he's afraid, and he flees for his life, and he's out in the desert under a tree saying, you know what, I'm ready to die. Um, so I feel like it's okay when I feel a bit scared sometimes. 
And there are a lot of ways to deal with fear. There's a lot of different ways that we, we deal with fear. You look at the silver linings. Um, what are the positives in this situation? Um, you can compare yourself with others. They've got it worse than I do. Um, fight back, hit back. Let the bullies know how it is to be feared. I'm not recommending these, by the way. Um, or run away, avoid, avoid the issue. And I reckon this, this one, I would say, is the biggest one, I think, in our culture. We're really good at avoiding stuff that makes us all gnawy inside. It's my own word. Um, people tend to, they like to avoid con- tough conversations. Um, uh, a lot of marriages end in silence. Um, procrastinate. Procrastinate all sorts of things. Procrastination is a wonderful way of avoiding stuff we fear. Have you heard the phrase, we don't talk about religion or politics? I think that's often wise. And I think sometimes people don't want to talk about stuff that's going to challenge them. I think that can be a big one. And I think death, and I'm a little biased here, but death is a massive one. You go back less than a century, and then from there, like back through all of human history, and people died at home, around their family. You know, family was around while they, while they suffered through dying, and then they died. And the kids and the family, everyone was around, and they witnessed it, and they experienced death. Um, I think it's a pretty terrifying thought for us to, to the idea of seeing a dead body or being near a dead body. Or, or can you imagine letting a kid come in and see a dead body? I think that's, for a lot of people, that's a really shocking idea. Um, it's probably the first generation, really, where we've got people in their 20s and their 30s who've never seen a dead body, and a lot of them have never even been to a funeral before. It's, it's not something we like to do or talk about. It's a, it's a bit of a, a, a difficult thing uh, to deal with death. And I think without a hope especially, that's very understandable. Um, and my point here isn't, isn't necessarily about funerals, but about how exceptionally good we are as a culture of ignoring stuff that's going to challenge us, that's bigger than us and demands something of us. Um, it's only going to be a matter of time, though. I mean, we're all going to face it eventually, but we'll, we'll leave it till then. I remember, oh, I was at a funeral. This is early days, all right. This is between you and me. And um, I was at a funeral. I was, I was handing out the little orders of service, moderately sized orders of service. And this elderly chap kind of pushes through to get an order of service and he sees, oh, Bethel Funerals, I've got a prepaid with you guys. And I wasn't really thinking, because I was kind of busy, and I said, oh, we'll see you soon. <laughs> he was okay with his immortality. I've still got a job. They keep me out the back now. Um, but there are plenty of uh, exhortations in the Bible. There's lots of places in the Bible where it says, where God says, or the prophets of God say, do not fear, I am with you. Do not fear. The Lord has given them to you. Um, there's plenty of them. Uh, there was a, there's a nifty little Facebook picture that goes around saying there are 365 places in the Bible where it says do not fear. That's one for every day. I don't think that's true. I think there's like 100. But that's nice, isn't it? Thank you, Facebook. Um, but there's a lot. It says do not fear. Do not fear is a common phrase you hear in the Bible. Do not fear. So what do we do when we are afraid? Like our heroes in the Bible. Um, What's God's response to that when we don't fear, when we feel like maybe we haven't got the faith? Our faith isn't enough for us not to be dealing with this fear that's gnawing at us. If you, there was a, oh, this beautiful young girl gave a talk last week 
Um, and she talked about how, that was my wife again, <laughs> God doesn't wait to meet us in our wholeness, uh, but he meets us in the midst of our sickness, in our stress, and in our pain. He meets us in the midst. He meets us there. And I think it's the same for fear. He meets us in the midst, not of our courage, once we've figured it out, but in the midst of our fear. Um, and if you go back to any of those stories we had, um, uh, uh, Moses was afraid, and so Aaron went with him. God gave him Aaron to go with him. Barak, Deborah, the prophet, went with him, a girl. Uh, he patiently waits through Gideon's tests, and time after time in the Psalms, David is restored uh, to faith in God, a God in the midst of trial who will deliver him. And I like this one. In, we'll go back to Elijah. Um, so he's hiding. He's given up. He wants to die. He's, he's given up on it all. Um, and an angel comes to him and, and gives him food and, and water and sustains him and says, head up to the mountain. God's going to come past there. You've got your complaints about what's happening. God's going to come. So he goes out and he's standing on the mountain and the presence of the Lord is about to pass by and a great and powerful wind tears the mountain apart and shatters the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake. After, so this is uh, 1 Kings 19, uh, I don't know, like 11 to a farewell after that. Um, and after the earthquake, there's a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and he went out and he stood at the mouth of the cave. And a voice said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? And he replied, the same, the same thing that he'd said before. I have been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant. They have broken down your altars and they have put your prophets to death with the sword. I'm the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me too. And the Lord said to him, Go back the way you came. Go to the desert of Damascus. When you get there, anoint Hazael, king over Aphram. Anoint Jehu, son of Nishki, Nish, Nimshi, king over Israel. And Elisha, son of Shaphat, from Abel-Meholah, to succeed you as prophet. Jehu will put together any who escaped the sword of Hazel. Elisha will put to death any who escaped the sword of Jehu. Yet I reserve 7,000 in Israel, all whose knees have not bowed to Baal and all whose mouths have not kissed him. So Elijah went out from there. So in the midst of Elijah's fear, and he was right about the stuff that he said about Israel have turned again and again. So this is after that Mount Carmel story. Israel have turned again and again and again against God. They have killed the prophets. So these are, these are people, these are good prophets. These are, these are men of God and Israel have killed them. And, and, and he's one of them. Elijah's one of them. He's not wrong in these things. And God comes, and in contrast to this lightning bolt that obliterates the top of a mountain, he comes, and it's contrasted. There's the, a massive uh, uh, hurricane that shatters the mountain. There's the flames, and there's the earthquake. We know this sovereign God who has power over all these things and can shatter a mountain with air. And it contrasts that. He says, and God came to Elijah in a whisper. And what happens? He covers his face and he goes out to speak with God face to face. And what happens first? He asks him what he's doing. And God listens to him. He listens to his fears. He hears him speak to God about the burdens of his heart. 
And then he replies, and it sounds like he's getting straight into business, but what's he saying? He's saying, I hear your fears, and you know what? And God doesn't, yes, we all, we all probably have experienced the fact that God doesn't just tell us what's in the future, but he tells him, you know what? It's gonna be, this is what I'm gonna do. I've got this under control. I'm gonna appoint this king and this king, and they're gonna wipe out these people, and I'm gonna actually, you know what, Elisha, uh, Elijah, I'm gonna appoint Elisha, and you know what? This burden that you're carrying is gonna be passed on. You will get to come home like you yearn for. It's coming I'm going to be with you. And he gives him this comfort. And then he also mentions there are 7,000 in Israel who have not bowed their knee. So he says, you know what? You don't have the whole picture. There is hope. This burden that you bear that feels impossible, it's not as great as you think. I can see the hope. Trust in the hope that I have. And he gets out. And I think that's absolutely stunning. This God, this sovereign, powerful, this is the Old Testament, sovereign, powerful uh, uh, Old Testament God who slays 600 prophets comes in a whisper and listens to him. He listens to him. He knows what's going on, but he listens to him. This is, uh, this is a God who I think we can see Christ in. That was longer than I thought it would be. Give me a sec. I'll skip that really funny story. Um, So I think, I think that's the key point, that is God meets us in the midst of that. So the next question that I have, and this is stepping on a bit, what does it mean to fear God? So this God who says he meets us in the midst, he gives us hope, he steps alongside us. Then he says, or oh, fear God, fear the Lord. Is he then asking us to, uh, is, one, is the old terror replaced with a new? Is that, is that what we're called into? Now, there's lots of different ways that we, we tackle this, but generally people agree that fear is not the same fear that we have of a snake. It's not a phobia. It's not like clowns. It's not some, some terror that grips you. Um, it has an element of uh, 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 reverence. So there's an idea of reverence and awe. Uh, there's a fear, like a filial fear, like you fear disappointing someone you love as an element to it. Um, and I think there is an element of the same kind of thing, fear that you get when, when you say something like you fear death. So there's verses where it says stuff like in Isaiah, he says, uh, uh, and this is just cherry picking here, but the Lord is the one you are to regard as holy. He is the one to fear. He is the one you are to dread. Or in Matthew 10, Jesus says, do not be afraid of those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Rather be afraid of the one who can destroy both the soul and the body. Be mindful, he's saying, this is serious business. You think about your death and you take actions to avoid it. You consider it. It is foremost in your mind that this is the reality that this world is based on. Don't be ignorant. This is the real deal. And that's how we treat God. It's not, there, there is a sense in which we fear the Lord and we know that he has the power and the sovereignty. Um, at the same time, uh, fear of God throughout Old Testament and New is often accompanied by the suggestion that it will bring courage and peace. And that's very different to fearing other things of the world. In Acts 9, it refers to the churches through Galilee and Judea as living in the fear of the Lord and encouraged by the Holy Spirit, it increased in numbers. So this isn't, this isn't a terror, a mindless terror. This is a fear that builds up and encourages uh, Timothy, uh, for the spirit God gives us does not make us timid, 
but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. Proverbs, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And if we look uh, at uh, 1 John 4, God is love. We, uh, that was referred to earlier. And then further down, there is no fear in love, but perfect love or mature love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. Um, so how, how do we put these things together to fear God and to know that it builds us up in, in love and in courage? And I think it would help us here to go back, sorry, uh, to go back to that first principle that we talked about. Everyone loves something. Everyone fears something. Um, Jesus says that anyone who loves his own parents, wife or child more than him is not worthy of him. He's not saying it is evil to love them. What he's saying is that if you don't love Christ first, if you don't let him set the priorities of love, your other loves will become perverse, will turn inward and will become fear and death. In the same way, uh, in Matthew, whoever wants to save their life will lose it. Whoever loses their life for me will find it. Anyone who fears things above God, so whoever has a fear that is greater than God, that fear will not save them, uh, but instead will turn in, become selfish, become perverted, and lead on to greater fear and death. All love below God, all love that is not subjected to God, that does not die for the sake of God, that Jesus does not carry with him to the cross, will become fear and will enslave us. Fear of uh, the opinion of our peers or love for our peers or love for our church, love for our pastors, love for our family, ultimately cannot give us the security the peace and the love that we need. Death is the final word for all, for all things that are not eternal. And eternity is held in Christ, for death uh, is in all things. Um, there is only one love that frees us from fear. There is only one fear that frees us from death. He has endured fear, he has endured death. And he is the only one who can set us free from fear and death. Um, and so as we meet with fear going into this new year where things are opened up and we don't know what is before us, or maybe we look ahead and we do think we've got a pretty good idea of what is before us, um, there is one place to turn to. And there is one Lord above all things who is worthy of being feared. And there is only one place where we can go where God will meet us. And when we give these things to him, it is God who transformed these things. And through bringing us to that maturity of perfect love, fear will, in the fullness of time, as he works his good work, he will bring us to a place of love and a place where the fear of the Lord is love. So I encourage you in that. And maybe I'll pray. Let's give that a go.
Father, as we look into this new year, and as we look back at the year that has been, doubtless we have feared in this year that's gone past, and doubtless there are things ahead which are to be feared. Father, I pray for all today who feel crippled by fear, like Elijah or Moses or any of the others. There is a fear that builds up and entangles. Lord, I pray that as we set our sights on you, you would meet us in the midst of our fear. You would take away any guilt for fear and trepidation. You would lift the burden of fear from us, Lord, and that as we seek you and as we hold you above all fears and above all loves, you would restore us to fullness as we follow you and are transformed more and more into you. So be with us this year. Walk alongside us. Meet us in the midst of the chaos in the whisper. And may we find time to make that whisper speak to us or, or, or find space to hear that whisper. In your name, amen.